I picked up my microphone like it was a cup and I was going to drink from it. As we always do. Savannah, the and Cat will tell you the facts from shows on the Rock Broadway. Your bi-weekly show will more to know. Listen to what they have to say. This podcast won't run a week with Cat and Sleep. Hello, everyone. I'm Judy Garland as Rosie in the out-of-town tryout of Mamma Mia. And, oh, that's good. <laughs> and uh, it hit me. It hit me, like, two <laughs> seconds later. Um, hi, everyone. Wait, I don't like it. Hold on. <laughs> and, no! <laughs> Hold on. I'm sorry. I feel so anxious. Okay. And I am the unemployed hand monsters from Spy Kids, starring as the hand in Adam's Family the Musical at a at a Midwest regional theater. And this podcast won't run a week. Your bi-weekly musical theater podcast where we talk about musicals. And this week we're gonna talk about the wild party that we like. The Lippo Wild Party. Wait, you, but was my was it worth it? Was that worth it? Because it was, right? Like, I think they're called thumb thumbs. For they're all thumbs. God damn it! It's okay. It's okay. We know what you. They meant. are. They're thumbs. They're all thumbs. That's right. Oh, oh well, yeah. whatever. Right. Whatever. But the image is still there. <laughs> the image we know, and I would love to see a thumb thumb as the hand in Adam's Family the Musical. But um, yeah, if you just listened your way through our first Wild Party episode. Congratulations, you've entered the one that we care about, Lippa's Wild Party. Very exciting. Came out in the exact same season as the Lacusa Wild Party, but it was off-Broadway instead of on-Broadway, and it is just better. <laughs> it is just a better show, in my opinion. It, in my personal opinion as well, which we all know my opinion is correct. <laughs> is truth. Um, yeah, my so- My opinion is- Erect. <laughs> um, a lot of people in the show are. <laughs> the orgy. Because um, they have sex. Because they, they, they have orgy. They have the sex. Um, so <laughs> here are just some fun trivia, some fun facts about the show. The first fun fact is that in a 1997 workshop at the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center, hey. Kristen Chenoweth played May, as she should. I love that fact. What year was this? Two thousand and for Wicked. It, okay, it came then out yes, like then I'm I'm here for it. The actual production that came out in the like two thousand season uh, won the Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Music, the Outer Critics Circle Award for Outstanding Off Broadway Musical, the Lucille Lortel Awards for Best Scenic Costume and Lighting Design, and the nineteen ninety nine to 2000 Obie Award for Best Choreography. It also received, like, a ton of nominations for direction and acting awards. Like, a lot. (laughs) So I'm not going to say all of them because, you know, it's just a lot. The biggest difference between the two shows is the storyline. I talked last week about how Lacuse's, I think, is a little more ambitious in what it's trying to do. Lippa's version very much follows the traditional plot of focusing on the main couple and the love quadrangle, a little square. 
as like the quadrangle. Sen- quadrangle. I don't know if that's a real Did word. Did you make that up? I might it's have. Because <laughs> quadrilateral triangle is what you just said. Quadrangle. Yeah. So a four quad triangle. Triangle. So- triangle has three sides. Yeah, because it's a triangle. It's got three angles. A quadrangle would have four angles, could be a square, could be a rectangle, doesn't matter, but. Oh, wait, I see, I see, I see. Yes. Okay, yes, yes. Um, Yeah, so the lip is. (laughs) So quadrangle. Quadrangle. Might have made that word up. I went to public school, so don't come for me. I'm telling you that you did. Come for my public high school education. I had a B minus in geometry. You made that word up. Probably. Quadrangle is a real word. <laughs> it is um, a four-sided plane figure, especially a square or a rectangle. <laughs> Man, I am so smart, but also dumb, because I was like, I think I might have made that word up. Quadrangle is a geometric shape that has four angles, and logically, if any shape has four angles, then it will have four sides. Then it comes a quadrilateral. However, a quadrangle is a word often used for an open space where people gather, say on a school or university campus. So a football field is a quadrangle because it has, it, there's no actual sides. It's open where a quadrilateral has actual physical sides. Oh, well, I mean, I would say that this is a pretty open surface. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people are coming in and out this whole show. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Keep going. All right. So um, in making the decision to focus solely on like the two main couples, Andrew Lippa took many of the supporting characters and either erased them or gave them much smaller roles, which, you know, is totally fine. That's like a traditional book musical. You've got like your lead couple, your supporting couple, and then everyone else. In addition to all of that, I think that Lippa's score is better able to be understood out of the context of the show. I think the Lacusa score, you have to be looking at the context of the show. Whereas Lippa's score, it, it, you don't need it. You don't need to be like, oh, and Burrs is going crazy right there. Yeah, no, it's the, the, the instrumentation tells a story. Um, which is why I like like Lippa's version so much more. It's like the instrumentation is telling a story alongside like the story being told obviously through text. Yeah. But you know when they're having a great time at the party and you know when they're absolutely not. Yes. Yeah, I think. Which is what I didn't like about Lippa's version. Lippa's I'm sorry, Lacuse's version. Yeah, no, I agree. It just felt like it was fun the whole time. No, I, that makes perfect sense. Um. One thing I like about the Lacusa version, as opposed to the Lippa version, is like looking at the cast recordings, it appears to me that Lacusa kept everything in. Like every musical moment of the show is on that cast recording. Whereas the Lippa version leaves out a couple of numbers that I, as one who is lucky enough to have done the show, really, really love. There are some really beautiful moments, like musically that I was, like, obsessed with when I did the show, but they're not on the cast recording. And it's a bummer. I'll try to find links to some of those moments, and I will put them in the description for this episode. Um, I also want to talk about... Yeah, links below. Link in the doobly-doo. 
I also want to talk about the City Center production from 2015 starring Sutton Foster. Slee and I talked about this You yesterday. can't see me, but I'm <laughs> rolling my eyes. Slee and I talked about this yesterday. I have a lot of not good feelings about it, and Slee feels the same because I told her everything that I hated, and we agree on most things. Um, yeah. But they changed a bunch of stuff about the show. They took out the first, like, two or three songs. Um, and this show begins with a number that happens, like, in the middle of the show traditionally, and then they make, then they go back to the beginning of the show. It's very confusing plot-wise, and they take a song that's supposed to be, like, oh, like, we're at a party, it's, like, a rousing, like, let's raise the roof, do-do-do-do, and it's supposed to be, like, yes, let's go, the party's starting, we're having fun, but now it's doing, like, double duty of also being, like, an exposition song where we're, like, learning about, like, why is Queenie throwing this party? And I hate that. They also took yeah. out um, a scene that is really difficult to watch, but very important to the show, which is the rape scene at the beginning where Burrs rapes Queenie. So they took out, like, that whole scene. So now, like, it's difficult to understand, like, why is Queenie throwing this party? Like, why is she angry at Burrs? And why is she trying to, like, get back at him? Um, also, Out of the Blue is such a great song, but we, we can get into It's that. a great song, and it's a challenging song. Such a challenging song. Um, yeah. They also rewrote the lyrics to Raise the Roof, which is supposed to be the rousing party song that's now exposition. They changed the orgy song, which is originally titled Come With Me, to You and Me. Um, which is so dumb. Like, it, it is the most North Carolina regional production yeah. Of this, like, I, not even regional community theater production. Yeah. It, where they just like, they hold hands for the first time. Like, you and me. Fuck uh, that. No. no. Come with me. He's asking her to come at the same time. Yeah. Because they're having us, they're having sex. It's an orgy. But it's also like, come over to, come over to my yes. side. Come, like, be come with to me. come. Um, Fuck it, that it basically change. appears that they have like completely gutted this version of the show. They got rid of a song called "How Did We Come to This," which is beautiful and again a really challenging acting song for your queenie. And they replaced it with a song called "A Happy Ending," which I listened to a like clip that's available on Playbill. And personally, I'm not impressed. <laughs> I'm not. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Heard it here, folks. I'm not, like, as a song, like, I just think that there are better ways to tell the story, and you already did it, so why change it? I I would really love to know why exactly Andrew Lippa made all of these changes, because I think, I mean. You know what I really think, and I hate to say it, I really, I, I really hate to say it, I don't know who this man is, but it's, I really think. And I genuinely don't like saying this because I think she's so, I do think she's really talented, but like, this is just not her role. And I don't understand why they cast her in this role. Yeah, she dances and yeah, she can belt, but like, that doesn't mean you're queenie. Like it just, that's, yeah. you know, um, I don't think she could sing it. Maybe. I mean, I don't think she could sing. How did we come to this? How, I don't think she could. She doesn't have that kind of a belt. I, it's too. She, I think she could hit the notes, yeah. but it's not. It's not the same. She doesn't have, I think, the tonal quality. She doesn't have the darkness have in edge. her. She doesn't have the darkness in her voice that I think Queenie needs. I yep. the or way just I, edginess in general. Yeah, the way I feel about um, 
this show is very similar to the way I feel about Sunday in the Park with George and that I truly think that the original off-Broadway cast is like untouchable. Yeah, like, I agree. It's so well cast. Like they're so good and I mean especially like your four leads, your Queenie Burrs, Kate and Mr. Black are all just like really actors at the top of their game and it's so good. Um <clears throat> do you remember um going to Kentucky to do hairspray and we listened to the soundtrack over and over and over and over and yeah. I mean, we already loved it by then but like that's what we did on the six hour trip yeah. to like go and live in Kentucky um and thinking I well we'll get to we'll get to make me happy but that I think about that song specifically when um, I think about that trip yes because we would reenact it in the back seat of like my mom's car <laughs> yes Okay, um, I'm going to do, like, a very brief overview of the plot because it is the same, it's based on the same source material, so. Yeah. Let me ask you this before you jump in. Did you know that Stephen Pasquale was Brian Darcy James's understudy in the original cast? I did not know that. Stephen, it says... Stephen Pasquale was Brian Darcy James's understudy. Stephen was very, very, very young when we did the show. And I think he auditioned for the role of Burrs and was great, but he was way too young to play the role. And now, years later, Stephen gets to play the part. It was very exciting. That's what uh, Andrew Lippa said. Oh, that's um, Also, top of uh, this article that I'm reading, mm-hmm. the reason I even clicked on it, the title of it is, I was going to do it like cats. Andrew Lippa remembers the beginning of the wild party. <laughs> so take it away. <laughs> All right. So the show opens in very similar ways. You are introduced to Queenie. It takes text directly from the poem. Queenie was a blonde, blah, blah, blah. We meet Queenie. We meet Burrs. Burrs in this show, it is important to note that he is not a menstrual performer. He is just a clown, just a vaudevillian clown. They meet each other and they have met their like, emotional and sexual match they live together for a little while and they're happy but eventually it sours birds is violent which she used to like but now queenie's like scared of it one day he like attacks her rapes her and after that happens she decides that she's gonna like ruin him and the way that she wants to do that is by throwing a party so she suggests it birds like oh my god yeah so much fun. That's the song Out of the Blue. Great number. Especially like if you are really coming into it from the scene before where she's like attacked by the man that she has lived with and loved for years. And now, now that she's going to get her revenge. The party begins. The guests come in. We meet Madeline True, who's the lesbian. We meet Eddie, who is a boxer. May is his wife. I mean, these are all the same people that we have met. Um, The biggest difference is Jackie in this production is a a mute. He's had his tongue cut out, so he doesn't speak. He just dances. Everyone comes in. They're having a good time. Queenie rolls up. She's wearing a beautiful dress. She looks incredible. And Burrs is, like, preying on other women at the party, but he sees her and he's like, oh, my God. She's so, so beautiful. Look at her go. Burrs hits on the youngest guest, who is Nadine. The girl who sings, I want to see the lights of Broadway in the Lucky's version. She's May's little sister. She's like 14. 
Queenie casually is like, you shouldn't do that. But like, she's like, I'm going to fuck this man up. (laughs) They sing Raise the Roof, which is the rousing party song. At the end of that, we get to meet Kate and her new friend, Mr. Black. Kate, she likes to stir the shit. She likes to have a good time. She's like your sloppy best friend. She's the girl that you go to the bar with. Queenie is super attracted to Black. She's like, I'm going to, I'm going to hit on that man. Kate like drags him away and Queenie's like, hmm, that's the one. That's the one. Everyone's having fun. Burrs hits on Kate. Madeline hits on Nadine. Eddie almost fights Burrs. Um, and somewhere in all this chaos, Black gets to talk to Queenie. He's like, whoa. Men. Queenie is beautiful. And he's like equally as taken with Queenie as Queenie is with him. Kate doesn't love this. And that's where we get the song Poor Child, which is beautiful. Just beautiful. As revenge, Kate's like, I'm going to seduce Burrs. And then we get like a fun comedy number, old-fashioned love story, which is Madeline True's number. Top tier. Really just a great number. And I have a lot to say. Well, I have things to say about Madeline True specifically because it's such a great song. And roll. Queenie is, like, fully aware that Burrs is going to, like, physically threaten her. She's like, whatever. And she makes her move on Mr. Black, getting him to dance with her. Burrs watches them. He gets pissed. Kate tries to get Burrs to dance with her. He says no. And then she's, Kate's trying to defuse the situation. She takes Queenie out of Mr. Black's grasp, and they dance the juggernaut. At the end... Black and Queenie end up dancing together to get a reaction from Queenie. Burrs grabs Nadine, the 14-year-old, and makes out with her. Kate's pissed. She throws Nadine on the ground. Madeline is like, oh, I got to help the 14-year-old because we're all gross pedophiles, I guess. Um, And Burrs, <laughs> like, forces his way into Black and Queenie dancing. Burrs tells Queenie to stay away. Queenie laughs at him. She says she's going to do whatever she wants. They get interrupted by Oscar and Phil, the, like, songwriting duo from the other one. And they are like, oh, we have a show that we've been working on. It's based on the Bible. And that's the song Wild Wild Party. Everyone is having, like, a good time, and they sing it. And it's a very fun number in the... The number's like about Adam and Eve, and Burrs plays Adam, and Queenie plays Eve, and it's just a good time. The, the song gets interrupted by their upstairs neighbor who yells at them. Eddie and May insult him, and then they sing about how cute they are. Mr. Black approaches Queenie and is like, why are you with Burrs? Burrs sucks. <laughs> and she's like, um, you know, I don't know. Um, I guess maybe I just like... The aggressive treatment that Burrs gives me. Meanwhile, Kate is attending to, attempting to seduce Burrs. He is like, fuck off. I am so in love with Queenie. I don't care about you. And he sings a song, What Is It About Her? Which is about how much he loves Queenie. And he, it's so good. Have you seen Stephanie J. Block sing that song? I think I have. At the um, miscast? At the miscast? I believe I have. It's uh, it's it's pretty damn good. 
It's not as great as I wanted it to be, but I had extremely high expectations. Yeah. But it's pretty damn but good. Still pretty, pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Um, and, like, that song ends Act 1. So we have Burr's, like, really starting to spiral. Act 2 opens with Kate alone, reflecting on her life, and she does, like, cocaine. And she sings the song Life of the Party, which is probably there are a lot there are a lot of songs that are like super popular, but Life of the Party. This is this is the I would say this is the that's one of the don't sing at an audition made so popular mm-hmm. songs. Yeah. I think, yeah. It was definitely the first song I heard from this show. Queenie is like trying to figure out what she's gonna do. Like she's angry at herself for confiding in black. Because he's a stranger, but she also understands that he's like a really good person, and she likes him, and she's confused by that. Black comes into the bathroom with a drink for her. They have a nice moment. Black is like, "Oh, you know, I really admire you," and that's the song "I'll Be Here," which is a like a fucking hit. This show is hit after hit after hit. So good. That is a beautiful song. It's so good. And then at the end of that song, Burrs just like comes in trying to get attention and he apologizes and he's like please forgive me and before she can respond kate shows up so it's like four people in a bathroom in like a new york city apartment so it's a tiny fucking bathroom and there's like this whole argument where it's like both of the men want queenie to pay attention to them and like be on their side mr black's like let's go somewhere else let's go to a different party Come with me. And Burrs is like, no, like, let's just stop the party and, like, return to being isolated from everybody. Pandemic. Yeah. Queenie's, like, unable to respond. And the whole time, Kate's like, please, someone, give me attention. Like, please. And And she sings, and she sings, please send me someone from the hit Mel Brooks musical, Young Frankenstein. Yes. Um, so... Burrs is, like, super upset that Queenie's like, I'm not stopping this party. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to. So he, like, lashes out at her. Queenie leaves. Black follows her. And it's very clear that, like, this is really the start of Burrs, like, spiral in this show. Like, he feels some semblance of control up until, like, this moment. And he's, like, desperate. He's just desperate, and he starts to hallucinate, and he sings this whole song called Let Me Drown, talking about, like, how desperate he is, and it's so good. It's so, so good. I love it. After Let Me Drown, he, like, sees May, Eddie's wife, from across the room, and he thinks that May is Queenie, because he just sees, like, the back of her head, and he attacks her which pisses Eddie off. There's a huge fight, which is really just a very fun song where, like, it's happening and the ensemble is, like, narrating it as it's happening, where it's, like... like, They're going red, red, blue, red, orange, red, 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 green, red, red, orange. Essentially, yeah. Um, (laughs) So they have the fight. Um, Miss Black and Queenie roll back up. They've, like, come back and, like, okay, let's do the party thing. And they find Eddie, like, beating the shit out of Burrs. Just. Red, red, blue, red, orange, red, yeah, red, just green, red. just fucking beating the shit out of him. 
Um, just doing he, a pointillism painting. Yeah, just a pointillism painting with his fists and Burr's yep. face as the canvas. Um, <laughs> Queenie is, like, worried that Burr's is going to be killed if Eddie doesn't stop. Black comes in and he, like, knocks Eddie unconscious. Like, he sneaks up on him and, like, knocks him unconscious with, like, a chair or something. May tends to Eddie. Kate comes over to try to help Burr's. Black realizes that he's causing a lot of trouble, and he's like, you know what, Queenie, I'm just gonna leave. Queenie's like, no, don't go. Come with me to the bedroom. And they, like, are talking, and then, in a moment of passion, they start fucking. And the whole party just decides, now's the time, let's have an orgy. Everyone is fucking. Everyone. The whole group. All fucking each other. That's come with me. (laughs) Um, Then, you know, time passes. Everyone's asleep. Jackie dances for the last time before he leaves, which is called Jackie's Last Dance, which is generally a like a reenactment of like what's happening. It's a really beautiful number um, that I don't think really translates to the cast recording because you're just hearing an intro, like a mm, instrumental thing. I totally hear you, but they do such a beautiful job like you hear I don't know again I think that that instrumentation is telling a beautiful story it is and with the record skip at the end that it just kind of dies out on its own yeah and there's definitely like motifs from the show that are like revisited within that number it's a really beautiful just like instrumental number like right towards the end of the show um Kate wakes up Burr's um Queenie is absent, and Burrs is like, oh, no. So he, like, okay, let me keep that down. Um, Burrs is like, oh, no, and then he staggers to the bedroom, and he finds Queenie in bed with Black. They wake up. Queenie is, like, in shock. Black jumps up and tries to tackle Burrs. Burrs. And isn't it at this, and isn't it at this point, like, not only is he having a psychotic break, but he is, like, coked out of his mind yeah right yeah I think that like throughout the evening Burrs is like spiraling like just mentally like he is not a mentally well man but also he is doing a lot of drugs the whole evening um yeah so he's like really not in the same state like on top of already not being mentally all there yeah Black tries to like tackle Burrs but he fails Burrs locates a gun and he is like trying to force Queenie to choose between the two men. And he's like, I'm gonna kill one of us. <laughs> one of us is about to die. And it doesn't matter who it is, I'm gonna be happy afterwards. And that's the song Make Me Happy, which is so good. And one of it has like some of my favorite harmonies of any musical theater song ever. They're so good. Black realizes that Burrs is gonna make the decision. He Takes the chance, like, lunges at Burrs, the gun goes off, Burrs dies, Queenie worries that Mr. Black is gonna be executed for death, she's like, you gotta go, and then Black's like, I love you, he sings a reprise of a song he sang earlier, Queenie has lost both of the men, she questions, like, how did things manage to get to this point, and it's how did we come to this? Right at the end of How Did We Come to This, there's another, like, chorus moment where it's, like, a fascinating woman, as they... And it's, like, 
basically a reprise moment from Queenie was a blonde. Everyone is like in their underwear, like picking up their clothes and like watching her leave in her with her like coat on. She like pieces out and like they watch her leave and they sing that and then you hear police sirens and that's how the show ends. I have a little theory mm-hmm. on actually what happens. Um, so obviously Burr's is shot, but Black leaves the party because we know that the stipulations of the time, like no, even though like it was Burr's that killed himself, Black would be the one that was that was framed for it because of the because it's the twenties. But I also think that Queenie dies. That Burr's kills Queenie. Mm. Um and himself and she this that song she sings alone is actually her like fl- like life flashing before her eyes kind of a thing mm-hmm. like how did we all come how did we all come to this mm. and as she's leaving that's her cuz like the way it's shot the way it's framed in the original is she goes through a door that is white light and it's just her silhouette that we can see i think that's her leaving this plane i think she's i think she dies as well that's wild i've never thought of that but that's a wild it's a wild party (laughs) it makes a lot of sense um especially looking at the way that this show is framed where like these ensemble and like supporting characters are basically like a Greek chorus, like they're kind of helping move the story along. Like they narrate things as they happen. So yeah, I mean, I, when I did the show, there was a production of like videos that I saw because I wanted to kind of understand how like the show worked in terms of like watching it. Because all I really knew was having read the script and the cast recording so I wanted to like hear some of the songs that weren't on the cast recording and understand how things were going and I saw I can't remember what show it was there's a collegiate production where the show opened and it was all of these party guests so you know all these supporting characters like in a police lineup and basically what they're doing is they're you know talking to the police and trying to explain what happened at the party and that was how the show was like framed in this production oh that's really cool which I really loved yeah I which I really loved and I think that this show really regardless of the version that you do you need to have a very specific point of view that you're coming from Mm -hmm. otherwise I don't know that it lands um the way that it can um and should So, um, I really would love to get into, and I know that you'll have a lot of things to say. I would love to get into the role of Burrs. I adore the role of Burrs from an acting standpoint. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think it is a juicy ass character study, um, in this production, like in this in this version of this poem, I Burrs is just very villainous in a way that I don't 
a, I don't really vibe with um, in the other production, in the Lacusa version, which is fine. Like, it is what it is. It's just, I like villains or antagonists who there is a reason for their villainous ways, for their vengeful ways. And I think that, no, we don't have like a set structure of like what happened to Burrs as a child or like what his background is, but there is a motivation behind his vengefulness. Is it correct? Is it, is it like, is it humane? No. But we see that there is a, that we see it on stage. He is jealous of, we can name it, right? He is jealous of the fact that Queenie is flirting not only with a man, but with a black man, depending on the production, but like that's, that's how it's written. Um, And he is an abusive man who has a mean, who has a, a violent streak and feels that he can own something and we get that through what is it about her it's not it's not that it's it's not that he loves her so much it's that he he feels that he owns her mm-hmm. and if she tries to go somewhere else or do something else he's not okay with it because he feels that she is his property yeah. so we get this backstory of like what his motivation is for all of this and it's just the character of Burrs is just so spilled, like spelled out beautifully in this production. And it's, and make me happy is earned. Like it is earned in a way mm-hmm. that I just don't, I didn't feel earned in Lacuse's version. Like the finale just came out of nowhere where I was just like, of course, you know, I, I didn't see the full production, but it feels very earned in the Lippa yeah even just listening to the like cast recording it still feels earned because you get to musically go on this journey with birds well um let me drown i mean that is the obvious next step like i it's brilliant in my opinion yeah i mean i think that with the lipa version we're able to get instead of like a plateau with the lacuse version where it's like i'm fucking crazy yeah i'm gonna do crazy things we get like i mean he starts you know as a you know pretty much immediately that he is not a good guy yeah um he's a violent guy like everyone talks about how like vicious he is and then we get to see him like attack queenie and like throughout the show you just see him like you see him like disintegrate in a way that you don't get to see it with the Lacusa version. Yeah. And I reached out to my good buddy, Daniel Lopez, who played Burrs in the production I did. Um, and he brought something up to me that I had like never thought of. And it was a really interesting idea for me. Cause I just, it had never occurred to me, but like Burr's journey in this show is like a fucked up hero's journey. Yeah. Which I was like, he said that to me and he like broke it down. He's like, you know, he, he has like a mentor at times in Kate and he's like gatekeeping things or he is like black trying to gatekeep Queenie from him. And in, in the show, like he only has like an ally in Madeline, like, like no one else is really on Burr's side. I mean, people talk to him and like, I think 
at least in our production, women were, you know, still attracted to Burrs because Burrs is like this mysterious guy that they don't, they see what he does on stage and they're like, oh, like he's like a little rough. And I kind of like that. I'm, I'm interested and excited by that. But they don't understand like how vicious he is. And like, it's, it's really just like a hero's journey. And I had never thought of that. And it had never occurred to me that like, if you look at it, you can get, if you look at like what a hero's journey is, you can see like Burr's storyline is like beat by beat that you have the inciting incident, you have what he's fighting against. You know, it's really very interesting. And I think that like, coming at it from that point of view is a great way to look at it as an actor playing Burrs. Because when you're playing, you know, a villain, you don't want to be like, oh, I'm playing a bad guy. You need to have some kind of understanding for like, why is my character doing the things that they're doing? And why is my character feeling the things that they're feeling? Um, And I mean, Burrs is like, unsatisfied with his life. Like he is so bored and unsatisfied and he keeps trying to find new ways to feel alive. And he does that by having very rough sex and being violent and doing drugs. And, you know, he sees Queenie like on display looking fucking stunning, beautiful. Tonight, Queenie surpassed them all. Queenie, yeah. yeah, like just beautiful. And then he's like trying to get Queenie's attention while she's looking so beautiful. He like gropes a minor. He does drugs. And then he's like fighting with Black over Queenie's attention. He gets he into can't a fight. Hand, well, he can't handle things not going the way he planned them. Yeah, exactly. And it makes me be like, what a like I'll I'll say from like an actor standpoint, like it makes me go, because it is such a well-written role. What is his inciting incident that has caused his want of control to be so vibrant like what where did he lose control or have a lack of control I mean in his past that we never get to see and so it's like an actor's dream like to craft this human being because it's so well laid out Mm -hmm. like you're like and yeah like a hero's journey I mean like you think about um the odyssey it's like a very similar classic hero's journey and it's it's the same thing i mean there's an inciting incident to that that makes him go on this journey yeah and i mean i was very lucky in the production i did where i personally feel like the majority of the cast really it was it was a really good production it was beautiful to watch it was just like for some context of like what the production was like. It was an immersive production. We did it at a loft in Brooklyn off the G train. Um, so kind of like way out of the way, but like our Burrs was phenomenal. I think our Queenie was phenomenal. Our Kate, our Mr. Black, all great. Our Madeline True was really just like incredible. So your Kate and your Burrs um, t- stood out. Yeah, no, they, I mean, you stood out as well. That's not me saying that. I mean, no, no, I understand. Um, but I think that what's really great, what makes a production of this show great is having an ensemble who like fully trusts each other and fully like 
is able to support each other. And if there is a crack in that ensemble, I think it's very apparent to the audience. Well, it's um, also because this show requires, I mean, this is a show that I'm, I know you're studying intimacy training, which is fantastic, but like this show requires intimacy training in a way that most shows don't. And if for musicals, I'll say, and if anyone is uncomfortable on that stage, it's going to stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Because the whole cast needs to be in on it. They, everyone needs to say, Mm -hmm. we feel safe to go on this journey because of how dark and um terrifying this journey is yeah and like this is the show that like made me even interested in like intimacy direction and choreography and I think I think I'm hopeful because when I did the show it was 2017 is right like at the beginning of the me too movement so intimacy choreographers weren't a thing no this is they weren't a thing yet and so I'm hopeful that like for any professional production of this show that they hire someone to be in charge of these intimate moments, because like I can't now as, you know, someone in 2021, I can't imagine doing the show without someone whose sole job is to make sure that every single person in this cast feels safe. And, you know, I think that that's important. Yeah. Um, Especially because of like how, intimate the entire cast has to get with each other I also wanted to talk about Madeline True um who is very much like a comedic role she's the lesbian um she sings a really funny song called Old Fashioned Love Story which is great and I think it's just such a great role and I wanted to talk specifically about my Madeline but also like in general because I I messaged with her a little bit leading up to this, and she talked to me about, like, how she'd, like, wanted to play the role for so long, but because she was not the right age for roles like that, she didn't find as much career success until after she turned 30, and that's when roles started, like... She was 30? How old was that girl? I mean, she was older than 30. She's like maybe she did not look older than 30. No. Um, but wow. like that's gonna be good for her though. Yeah, but I think that Madeline True is a great role to have these like women who are a little bit older um play. I mean, she's supposed to be like, you know, a middle-aged woman who is like very in charge of her sexuality. She's not a mom. She's not, like, a frumpy servant, like, in a Shakespeare show. She's she's a woman with urges, and she has the capacity to go after whatever they are. Now, sometimes they're questionable, because she does go after Nadine, who is a 14-year-old. Minor. Minor. But I think that Madeline True is a really great gift for women who are old enough to be playing mothers in musicals because as a woman you kind of age from like ingenue high schooler and then overnight you become a mother type or a grandmother even. or a grandmother type and it's it's terrible that this is something that happens but I think that Madeline True is a gift to women who are 30 and up because 
you know, she's a fucking badass. And she gets one of the funniest songs in the show. Yeah. And I think I'm hopeful that, like, we can continue to find more characters like that for women who are, like, middle-aged. Because not every middle-aged woman is a mom. Nope. Um, or, you know, frumpy and sad. Like, you're... Yeah. I think that this show, Lippa's version, is a gift as far as, like, it's such an actor's show. It's such an ensemble show. And even though your, like, supporting characters get smaller roles, there's still so much to do. And Well, you're on stage. I mean, well, I shouldn't say you're on stage the whole time. Because in your production, because it was immersive, you guys were on stage the whole time. But, like... There is so much ensemble. Yeah. Uh, jazz. Well, <laughs> you, you want it to feel like a party. And so people are going to be constantly yeah. interacting with each other. And I know that, you know, when, when I did it, and I don't want to keep harping on my production, but it's, you know, the best experience I've got. But I know that when we did it, depending on, because we had understudies for like the leads, for some of the leads, um, we had, like, if we had an understudy on, like, some of our interactions would change with, like, Burrs, because Burrs is played by a different person, or also, just, I keep going back to Burrs, because Burrs, I think, is the best, like, written character on this show, even though it's Queenie's show, mm-hmm. like, it, it is her show, I think Burrs is a much more interesting character. Yeah, well... You but, know my feelings. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think. I mean, I love the role of Queenie, mm-hmm. but my feelings towards Burr, it is be- okay. Full disclosure here. This is my like dream show. I would play any of the main parts and I would die happy. I really want to play Queenie. I really want to play Kate, but I really want to play Burr's. Shocker. I mean, like, shocker. What? You want to play the male lead? I know. Like, shocker. And the villain at that, you know? Um, No, but I just, I, I also, I mean, we'll get into this when it would get to the Dreamcast, but, like, I think it would be really interesting to see a woman play Burrs. I think there's a lot of juice in that. We'll get into it. For sure. No, I think, I mean, with, it's sort of similar to the idea of casting like a a non-white person as Queenie, like when you do that, different layers of the character are going to come out. And I think casting a woman as Burrs is going to allow different layers of the character to really come out. And I just think that, I think that this show, and maybe the Lacusa version, I don't really know, but like definitely this show offers a lot of freedom for the actors. Yeah. And I think that that's really just swell. And it's a show, (laughs) it's a show that I would, I would love to do again. I played May in my production. It was like a dream role. And I learned so much playing her um, about myself, but also just about like the show and being able to like hear songs that are not on the cast recording and like really get to watch the masterclass of Daniel's burrs shine or yeah um, he was really phenomenal or he was even, really really good yeah like April who played our Madeline True Abby who was our Kate 
all of our like leads and really I, I just about everyone in the cast was like so superb at what they did. Even our understudies were just like incredible and getting to do a show like that. feels like getting to be a part of a masterclass every night and like what a gift for your actors. And I hope that this show and not the city center on course production. I hope that that never gets done again. Fuck that. Um, But I hope that this show continues to be done and done in a way that is sensitive to the subject matter. Yeah. Um, On the, uh, the changes for the city center, city center version, I found a article talking about like why Lippa made those changes Mm -hmm. through Lippa's lips and two big things. He watched Stephen Sondheim's movie version of Into the Woods. So the Meryl Streep, James Corden, that, and said, um, I took a page out of Stephen Sondheim's playbook after watching the Into the Woods movie. I even sent Steve an email saying, there's so much to celebrate about this film, but I celebrate the fact that you're still willing to look at your pieces and rewrite them. I mean, he's willing to do um, productions with six musicians. He's willing to do an actor-musician version of his show. He's an artist who wants to keep testing the limits of his art and explore how his work lives in different environments. I told him, quote, before I saw the Into the Woods film, I was planning on doing some rewriting of The Wild Party. And after seeing the Into the Woods film, I'm planning on doing a lot, end quote. And he's so lovely and kind to me. He wrote back right away and said, thank you. And I hope the rewrites are going well. That's the writer's life, man. So he was inspired by the Into the Woods movie, which I think was just okay. Um, And then another reason for the rewrites, which I kind of called it, but this is a nice way of saying it, in my opinion. We tailored the show to fit Sutton Foster. When you buy, and um, he's like, and it, which means exactly that. When you buy a suit, the suit is the suit, but they fix a little bit to make sure that it doesn't pucker in the back and that the sleeves are at the right length. With Sutton, I'm doing the same thing, but it's not drastic because she's perfect to play the part. It's not like I'm trying to rewrite Queenie for Betty White. Mm, It kind of feels like you're not, I mean, not Betty White, but it feels like you're trying to rewrite Queenie for Sutton Foster. Well, I mean, no, but that he said he said yes, I am. Yeah. I'm rewriting it for Sutton it's, Foster. It's but just, I think, I think that's what happened, though. I think things were taken out to tailor Sutton Foster's suit because Sutton Foster does not fit into this world. Yeah, Sutton Foster is more of a May, in my opinion. I mean, she never would play May because no, she's tall. so tall, but that's where she fits in in this world. I mean, I would even be open to seeing Sun Foster as, like, Madeline True. I think it would be very Oh, sure, sure. But, like, I, it's really funny that he's, like, it's not like I'm rewriting it for, like, Betty Buckley. But, I mean, you are rewriting it. You're rewriting the role to suit the actor. And, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm non-union and no one is rewriting roles for me. But... I feel like if you have to rewrite the role for the actor, it's probably not the right actor for the project. That's how I feel about it too. But that's why, that's why I was like, I, well, that's why I said earlier, like, I bet you anything they read, they did some of the changes for her. And so when I saw that, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's knew it, called it. That's really disappointing. I mean, look, 
I love this show. This show has like such such a special place in my heart. Like yeah. I have so many yeah. feelings attached to it. So to hear this like, is sorry. Go ahead. Well, just to hear that like I think the show is perfect as is. I don't think that it needs any changes at all. Yeah. Um. So to hear that the the person who wrote it feels differently it feels very strange to me. But. Well, it sounds like it sounds like he's uncomfortable with admitting that it's finished because he didn't go back and rewrite the Adams family. Oh yeah, I think it's that that like kind of what I said earlier watching Adam Scott's Hamlet. It's like I I get in my own way because I'm like I haven't done enough work. I haven't done enough work. I haven't done enough work. Wait, you said Adam that Scott. I, you mean God Andrew damn it, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second. I was like, wait. <laughs> I I'm I definitely made that joke when we were watching that too that I was like what yeah. if it was Adam Scott Andrew Scott um his Hamlet we were watching it before we logged on today and it brought up for me like if you don't continue working and if you if you never stop working like that like the, nothing will ever be good enough especially the stuff you care about and I wonder if this is one of those projects for Andrew Lippa where it, it is truly one of his best works and I mean, it's the reason that I love Andrew Lippa so much. I also love the Adams family. I haven't listened to John and Jen, would need to. Heard it's amazing. Sure. But um, but it's I wonder if that's that insecurity coming through of like I I care about it so much that I can't admit that it's finished. I can't admit that it's great. Yeah. So in talking about how much we love the show. We, we have to talk about one specific song that we're both obsessed, like, truly, deeply obsessed with. And deeply, deeply like, obsessed. Like, it, it is like... Make a, me happy. It is a part of, like, my core self, <laughs> that song. Yep. Um, so I would love to know, like, your thoughts on the song. And you want to know my thoughts on the song? Oh, yeah. I want to know your thoughts on the song. Break it down for me, mama. Okay. This is what I'm going to do for you right now. I'm going to pull up the lyrics, and we're just going to talk about how well these lyrics are written. I feel like an old woman on this iPad being like... <laughs> With the glasses, especially, in your pajamas. I know, I know. It's very my weighted, Shaw. In my weighted blanket, yeah, yeah. I look like my mom all right now. I'm turning into her. Me being like, I need matching pajama sets. Yes. I really do. I know. Okay, great. So let's talk about these lyrics. So we come into the... We come to the scene. Furs is holding a gun at Queenie and uh, Black, who just had sex. Like, literally just finished having sex. And Burrs comes in full clown face because he's, he's having his psychotic break and he puts on his clown makeup and he's, quote unquote, playing a part. So, which already, well, already we're in for a great start. I mean, what a great way to start this number, right? Okay. So, I'm Caitlin. I'm gonna go down beat by beat of this of this song. Are That's, you ready? Yeah. Great. Just I'm just go. saying, like I'm just saying, you're. Let's get along for this ride, okay? I mean, I'm, I'm along for it. Now let's see. We've got one. We've got two. We've got ooh three. One, two, many for me. What the fuck? Already. I mean. Immediately. I mean, Immediately, I am all in. Like, I love a good counting song, and then it's like one too many for <laughs> me. 
It's brilliant. Okay, we've got one points at Queenie. We've got two points at Black. We've got, and he literally goes, ooh, three. And he puts the gun to his own head. Mm. One too many for me. Mm -hmm. Who's it going to be? Yeah. Which is a callback to Life of the Party. Mm -hmm. And then Black moves. Take one step. Go on. Make one move. Show your love. You've got a chance to prove it. All right? (laughs) Yeah. And the stakes are so high. This unhinged man who is coked out of his mind, has a gun in his hand, is known to be abusive, and is raped Queenie at the top of the show and is now holding a gun to his girlfriend who just had is literally was woken up from having sex with this man by this person with a gun and the man is black yeah all right also stakes are high I just want to say I don't know what it says about me but listening to you read the lyrics is like ASMR to me my scalp is tingling (gasps) oh my god okay beautiful beautiful um so Take one step, go on, make one move, show your show show <laughs> show, your show, your love. Love. show your love. Show your love. You've got a chance to prove it. Beat. Knock me out. Come on. Jump right in. Brother, lose or win. You're gonna make me happy. Let me read that. Let me read that one one more time. Knock me out. Knock me out. Come on, jump right in. Like, jump in, jump into my boxing ring, right? Brother, lose or win, I'm going to be happy either way. It's either me or you. I die or you die. I don't fucking care. And then to Queenie. Mm -hmm. Break my heart, go on, tell me lies. Big surprise. Look how you emphasize it. The emphasize the surprise, right? Yeah. You big surprise, you lied to me. Women always lie, which is what perhaps his mother abandoned him. Who knows? Abandonment issues. We love. Um, call my bluff. Come on, make me choose. Sugar, win or lose, you're gonna make me happy. Ooh, the repetitiveness. Yeah. And it's like, I dare you to call me, to call my bluff. If you're going to make me choose, I don't care. Yeah. I don't fucking care. I'm going to be happy either way. In my hands, your future was golden. Ooh, I love that line. In my hands, your future your future was golden. Now it's what I hold in my palm, the gun. The gun. Oh, we both reach for the gun. Yeah. The gun, the gun, the gun. <laughs> um, um, now it's what I hold in my palm. In my hands... In my hands, you made a good living, giving me the quiet and calm. If you were just the woman I asked you to be, which, you know, this is, this is from Burr's perspective. He thinks yeah. he is not, he thinks he's doing right by saying this. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you just did what I asked you to, you would have had a good life. You would have, been, it was like quiet, calm life. You should have been the woman I asked you to be. But now your future is what I hold in my palm. Yeah. Someone's going to die tonight from this gun. In my hands, whenever you were mine, you promised forever. So the line is, in my hands, you promised forever. So you promised me forever. But I see, you dro- I see you're dropping the ball. Yeah, like, you, you lied at, to you, me. You fucking lied to me. It's right in front of my face. Mm-hmm. In, um, but I see you're dropping the ball. 
in my hands, you fly or you fall. High note. First high note the whole time. Or you fly or you fall. And it's. Also, just very briefly, what one of the most incredible things about this show is like, yes, the whole thing is incredible. But the the like. Descant like a background lyrics are so good especially in this song but in general the whole show it's so so good well and so all of that was burrs and now that's when we we get into that now Mm -hmm. it's like those descanty lines are coming in because the shock of these two people seeing him and the like I don't know what's about to happen Mm -hmm. but then he becomes unhinged by being like you fly or you fall like it's like oh shit no no now we got to start fighting because he's he's about to go off yeah he's He's literally about to go off yeah yep um but then black comes in burrs you dog is that it's burrs you dog you don't know this girl yeah okay I just I never I guess I never heard the word dog before but um burrs you dog you don't know this girl Burrs in the background going, shut your hole. And then he says, you don't know this girl. Pray. Do tell. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't oh. know her? What are you oh. saying? I don't know her. I you just met her. her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to wake up early, meaning like you need to go to sleep. You have, you're, you are, you have, you're coked out of your brain. You got to wake up in the morning and then um, don't push me. Don't pushy. Drop that gun. <laughs> yeah. Right. Burrs says. Come on, take it slow. And then Burr says, I'm growing weary. Ooh, I'm growing weary. Let her go. Let her go. Like, let let Queenie get out of here. Mm-hmm. And you're going to make me happy. But then Burr says, at the same time, that doesn't make me happy. Yeah. <laughs> and then Queenie comes in, which one of my favorite lines of the whole thing <laughs> is about to happen. Um, Queenie says, Burr's my sweet. And then uh, Queenie mine. And um, as this happens, uh, uh, Black goes, what are you doing? (laughs) But he does it twice. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) It's so good. Bitch, what are you doing? Shut the fuck up. What are you doing? Queenie, I had this. Like, I know, I know. The men are talking. Shut up. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we need a woman for this. Um, and then Queenie says, what a long, hot night, um, sweet as wine, let's not fight. Oh, sorry. What a long, hot night, let's not fight. No need to get excited. All while Burrs has had a giant shift when Queenie starts speaking. This is where his, like, coked out mind shows, right? Mm-hmm. Immediately he goes, and that doesn't make me happy. Qu- Queenie's voice just speaks at all and he goes queenie mine sweet as wine i want you i need you love 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 let me love you i mean he crumbles in one second look i'm not saying it's mommy issues but it sounds like mommy. i'm issues saying it's mommy issues <laughs> it sounds like mommy issues to me um yeah, yeah. um and then she says Go on, let me in. Burrs, you win. Mm-hmm. You're going to make me happy. Um, and they both say that at the same time. Um, and then all together, the three of them go, 
in my hands, the future is crying, rising high or dying in vain. That whole fly or fall, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing that's happening. And this is where those harmonies come in that Caitlin talked about earlier. They're so good. Like I'm getting full body like chills just thinking about what those harmonies sound like. I know. I know. In my hands, salvation is nearing, steering me from permanent pain. Ooh, I fucking, okay. With my hands, I'm asking a question, but I know the answer too well. In my hands, heaven or hell. And I think what's great about like that specific section is generally the characters stop singing to each other for that whole section and they're singing to the audience. It is a direct look at, I mean, they're singing the same thing, but it's a direct look at their inner monologue of like, oh my God, what the fuck am I going to do? Well, it's the first time you see all three of them are actually having the same thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And all of them are like, I might die or I might, I might, save my journey like my journey might and um with my hands I'm asking a question too but I know the answer too well it's like that's praying with my yeah. hands I'm asking a question I'm praying to you yeah. to like help me oh and then burrs can't take it anymore who's it gonna be who's it gonna be who's it gonna be yeah. who's it gonna be this is my favorite section in this whole song ready let's go looking at queenie he says he'll die for you. Well, now don't you want to know? Don't you want to know? Would he really die for you? Or is that just the after dinner show? Mm. Ooh, we've got a situation, shit or get off the pot. So what do you say? You want to give her away? Or do you want to get on your knees? I mean, he's. this is him being like, you say you love her? Let's fucking prove it. Are you ready to die for her? Literally die. Yeah. I can make that happen. But, like, also, I just love the, we've got a situation, shit. shit. Or, or get, get off the pot. pot. Yeah, like, it's so, oh. What do you say? You want to give her away? Ryan Darcy yeah. James is so good. He's so yeah. good. It's so good. And so now we're in, I'm going to skip over this part because it's just the same. It's like a spiral. It's, I mean, doing this for time. I could sit here and continue this whole to- this whole song. But then we get... Yeah, Burrs is pointing the gun at Black. You're saying life is shot. Burrs is saying life is shot, gone to pot. May you rot. Ooh, God. And then, and burning hot. So like saying you're going straight to hell when I shoot you. You're going straight to hell. And then Queenie, no, 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 no. Music shifts. This is when his sight, like he is at the tip of his psychotic break. This is, ha- this is it, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is the climax of his psychotic break. And then the music turns into like a, a, um, like a, like dancing bears. Like it feels like yeah. very much that, it's like, like a, a music toy box. box. Yeah. Music box. Like, that's what I was trying to get at. Um, but it's life of the party underneath. And then Queenie says, Please make me laugh. Please make me smile. Please stop this song and dance for a while. And it's all very gentle. Mm-hmm. Um, Burrs cocks the gun. Don't make me hurt. Don't make me cry. So she was pleading. Mm-hmm. And now she's saying, don't. Like, child. Yeah. <laughs> child, listen mm-hmm. to me. Don't. 
don't, and then Burrs repeats, don't make me cry. And then she says, don't make me have to do or die. I mean, they're both just very selfish. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Burrs, we finally get it. We finally hear it. How many girls have let me down? We finally hear it. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with Queenie. No. This has everything to do with, like, what, where his life has gone and where, it, yeah. where he came from. And then she says, shh, Burzy, easy. How many girls would love a clown? <sighs> I mean, oh, and I think, I think that in a lot of, productions we cast burrs as this like grade a hottie like so attractive you like that's what people are like oh yeah burrs like he's super fucking hot because he's with queenie but i don't think burrs is supposed to be like a hot guy no he need he's a man with deep insecurity yeah and deep i think insecurity yeah. which is he covers his face for a living yeah Um, how many girls could love a clown? And then Queenie says, from now until forever, you can be the life of the party. Mm-hmm. Like, you are the people come to see. It's yeah. you. And the life of the party plays. And then you hear the party in the background again for the first time um, happening. And then Burr says, maybe I can be the king of the hill. How I want to be there running the show until it's time to go. Or it's time to, and the lyric in Life of the Party, because this is just a repeat of Life of the Party. Um, the the lyric in Until It's Time to Go or Until It's Time to Kill is the lyric. But they don't say that. And his and the music changes and it's his and he goes back into he remembers where he is and like goes back into mm-hmm. kill wanting to kill. Yeah. And then a shot happens and we don't know who dies. Burrs falls on the floor. Yeah. End of song. Yeah, I mean, that song is... That I know, song close is, the iPad, throw it to the side. Yeah, it's... And I think that the whole show is, like, lyrically so good. Yep. You know, I think... I mean, you you literally just can't... If you just sit and you read the lyrics like you you get hit with these like little bombs of um, like emotional bombs and just these storytelling tropes that are just so good mm-hmm. i mean that like who would ever love a clown yeah how for but first saying how many girls have let me down to how many who girls would ever love a clown would love a clown like it, it's layered it's And really, I think that this is the first time in the show that we get an actual look at, like, the core of who Burrs is. And it's right before he fucking dies. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Before he kills himself. Yeah. Because, like, oh. By accident. Yeah. But, like, he does. Well, I, I don't know. Is it an accident? I mean, I think it probably depends on how it's staged. But. Right. Generally, there's, like, while Queenie is, like, oh, Burzy, easy, he's, like, you know, while all that's happening, Black, like, gets up, 
and is like gonna take the gun from him and that's kind of what snaps him back mm-hmm. into reality and then they yeah. they fight over the gun first gets shot i wonder though like being able to like name finally what's causing all of this tor- inner torture for himself after saying it if it's just too much and then maybe i don't know i mean because maybe. also like what kind of a man like a man like burr is like i could absolutely seeing go in because i fully believe that he's like it's cool if i'm the one that dies because yeah, i don't have I don't to deal with this anymore yeah. yeah i don't care i'm unhinged in that way but i think that i think a, a man like burr is from what we see the whole time like if I stand in front of Queenie and say, this is your fault and then kill myself, like that would be enough Mm -hmm. for him to be like, I'd rather, I'm happy to die. If I know that you'll have to live with that the rest of your life. I mean, it's a very, I hate to say, but it's like a classic, like abusive boyfriend technique where they're like, if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. Mm -hmm. And he really will. And he absolutely will. And I think what an interesting. And I, I also want to say like, yeah, I also want to say, like, there is not an ounce of, like, sympathy to be had for yeah. Burr's, which is why I think it's such a well-written role, because it's not like we're on Burr's side, even though we're seeing a lot of the story through Burr's eyes. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with, like, oh, I'm on his side. It's just we see the inner the innards of a man who is it's- so far gone from mm-hmm. reality. Yeah. And, it, and it's, like, shit. Yeah, I mean, and I think that... Something that is done really well in this show is you meet Queenie and Burrs and you see like, you know, this is how they met and they fell in love and blah, blah, blah. And then immediately in the next scene, he, he rapes her and you're immediately like, yeah. that is not a good person. <laughs> yeah. you, you, that's like, a bad that's, person. That guy fucking sucks. He's not, yeah. he's, he is a bad guy. He is our villain. And yeah. I think that it establishes establishes him as a villain right there. And then everything he does afterwards just further supports the fact that he is a villain. Yeah. Like, even though he is on his own hero's journey, he is, everything that he is doing to get what he wants, his goal, which is Queenie's attention and affection, is just further, like, taking off the boxes of like okay well he groped a minor villain he is attack is attacking people at this party villain like everything further leads to this and i think andrew lippa did a really great job of writing a character that i could see why people would think he's sympathetic because he fully like crumbles at the end yeah but he's not sympathetic and, no. you know. and I, I, I think you saying that um, reminded me of something that uh, my, one of my teachers say all the time. His name's Alex Gelman. I, I bring him up a lot because I'm, I'm in his text analysis class right now. So we're doing our checkoff stuff. But he said to our class in the top of the semester, like, it's, it's your job to not judge your character. Yeah. And Andrew Lippa does not judge any of these characters. Yeah. But he's not, but he doesn't have sympathy for it. No. But he doesn't judge them. Exactly. And I think that is a really hard thing to do for some people to not judge, like especially someone like Burrs, but 
to find empathy for his situation. Again, don't be, don't be sympathetic. Just have emotional empathy to be able to understand the yeah. motivation behind the, the villain. Um, yeah, like the whole, this whole show, especially this version, and I'll, I'll say this and then we should probably get into dream casting. I feel like we've been talking for a long time. Yeah. Um, but well, we have, we, um, we had a shorter, um, that's true. It yeah. True. So it, it does, it does feel like we've been talking for a while, but I bet it's, I bet it's about the same. Yeah. But, but anyway. um, but I will say like this specific version of this show feels so Shakespearean to me. I agree. It, well, it's, it's not even Shakespearean. It's Greek. It's a Greek tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Greek absolutely. tragedy. It's, it's so good. And with the cutting of, with cutting out of the tongue too, like Jackie's oh. tongue being cut out, like that's very Greek. Yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't even think about that, but you're absolutely right. I, what, this show is just a gift. It's the gift that keeps on giving and. It's a beautiful show. And it's, I've had one person say they like the Lacusa version over this version. And I was like, for what reason? Like, and you did this for what? <laughs> for what? Yeah. Um, but I was curious. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I have very specific reasons why I love the Lipa version. But um, their big reason was you actually feel like you're listening to a show that is set in the 20s, where in Lipa's version, it feels contemporary. And I was like, I, I hear that. Um, but I think that there's, there are like, like there's big brass band and a lot of jazz. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's very jazzy Mm -hmm. and dark jazz. So yes, I think it sounds contemporary, but I also think like this was a, there are twenties tropes within it to help remind us that we're in this era. But I also think that there are Yes, it sounds contemporary, but what I actually think is going on is we're hearing the heartbeat of these characters happening underneath the music. So it's contemporary because we live in a contemporary world when it was written. And so like that's these characters have a contemporary touch to them. Sure. Yeah. But I just think that it's more human and it's less like this is this era Yeah. because a human can live in whatever era they're in. It doesn't it's not like just because they're born in the 20s, they have a jazz undertone, you know. I just don't think that this this musical sounds like any real era other than those real big jazzy things that happen. Does that make sense? No, abs- I absolutely agree. I think the show does a great job of like having this like underscore that is reminiscent of the era, but isn't like, oh, it's 1920s, you know, like the yeah. entertainer or whatever. It's, yeah. It's very much grounded in a reality that exists more so in contemporary theater than ever existed in vaudeville shows like this is a real story and I think that it could be told as like a vaudeville style show sure if that's the concept you want to go with but well it was I mean yeah (laughs) like sure you can absolutely do that but I think that this specific version of the show is less about like oh look it's a show that takes place in 1920s in vaudeville isn't that fun even though the story itself is fucked up, what a fun dichotomy. And this is a show about people. And I did want to say, bring up one more thing that um, Daniel messaged me about. And he said, and I'm going to quote him directly because I think he worded it really, really well. But he says, at its core, the show is about a codependent couple in an unhealthy relationship 
pushing each other away while simultaneously holding on to one another. Throughout the show, they keep raising the stakes with the choices they make after being egged on by other characters until things escalate to the point of no return. And that's oh, yeah. what that's the show. I mean, that's the whole show. And yeah. this the the Lipa version is about people. The Lacusa yeah. version is about a concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A one hundred percent. It's about an era. It's about a poem. Mm-hmm. It's about vaudeville. And it's like, that's, yeah, yeah, I don't give a shit. Yeah, no, I think, I think the Lipa version is superior, and I think I'll always feel that way. What it's treat. also, it was also like the, um, the opening of doors for Idina Menzel, Tay Diggs, Brian Darcy James, Julia Murney. I mean, like, just the door went for all of those actors yeah, I mean, after this. They're all so, so good. Well, I mean, you know how I feel about Brian Darcy James. I mean, yeah, he's literally my favorite actor of all time. Like, I think so good. Let's get into some dream casting then. Like, we're, you know, I mean, I. There's only one person that I feel extremely confident about. Uh huh. And uh, we'll get to it. Okay. Okay. So I wanted to start with Queenie. Show it's like about her. Yeah. So. Queenie was a blonde. Queenie was a blonde. Um, and. I struggled with Queenie because I think Queenie is such you have it's an actor's role so we you need like an actor but also someone who can sing the role and that role is not fucking easy to sing no so I really struggled with this and my first gut instinct thinking about someone who I knew or I felt confident could sing the role and I and like this is an actor is Jesse Mueller that's who I put. I oh. knew that's where you were going. I could, t- I could, the way you were describing it, I fully knew that's where you were going. It was like, that's exactly who I put for the same fucking reasons. It was, I was like, Jesse Mueller, I think it, it just <laughs> seems like the obvious choice. Like, I think that she has such an ability to add color to her voice. I mean, she's done so yep. many different things. Um, and I think that she would be able to fucking nail it. A second yep. choice that I had, and I only have this choice because I saw this woman in a production of a show. Oh, what? I can't even remember the name of it, but it's essentially like a musicalized version of Macbeth. Is Taylor Eamon Iman Jones? I can't. I, ta- yeah, I think it's Taylor Iman Jones. Also, a musical version of Macbeth, Macbeth? What? Yeah, it's. I saw this show. Okay, the show is called Scotland PA, and it was a musicalized version of Macbeth that takes place in like the 70s and it's Macbeth but it's about like a fast mm. like a McDonald's essentially and she's in the she's in the Devil Wears Prada musical yes yes she is she her she is she essentially played Lady Macbeth in that show that was her role um and she was so good at finding the like the power and the darkness that you have to have for a character like that, that I think that she could definitely handle Queenie. And that was why she was like in the running, but Jesse Mueller felt like the obvious choice to me. So she was also Mopsa in head over heels. I knew I I recognized that name. Vacation. All I ever wanted. She's like in the running. I would also be happy if she did it. Cause I think that she's very capable. And I also think that it's a role that she hasn't, like a kind of role that she hasn't really gotten to do yet. Interesting, um, interesting. Yeah, so 
but I Jesse I mean, Mueller Jesse Mueller was mine that was the just, only one I had I mean yeah but I don't I don't know anyone else who could do it right now yeah I mean Julia Murney is like untouchable <laughs> untouchable but like Julie but Jesse Mueller is is a similar mm-hmm. I would put them in similar categories where like they both have insane and unique voices mm-hmm. but, they, but they are such good actresses mm-hmm. and they're uncommon beautiful which yes. is what I which is why I think Tony Collette was a really good casting for Queenie as well like yeah but I I'm very into it yeah so for Burrs another role I struggled with I kept Will Swenson who I mentioned last week as Burrs because I think that he could I think he definitely has like the voice and I think he can do darkness really well but yeah. who I would really love and he's too old to do it now but who I would love to like go back in time and have a younger version of this man do it Norbert Leo Butts. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm very into that. Yeah. Like, he would be so good. He's attractive, but not in like a conventional way. And I think that I'm I. so into that. My biggest concern with Will Swenson is I think he's too hot. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I mean, I also just think he's. I don't know. I was going to say he's too goofy, but, like, you need a goofiness to you to play Burrs. Yeah. But, I don't know. I'm not, I, I like Will Swenson. Yeah. I, I saw mean, him in Hair, and I will never not be able to see him as, um, sure. that role. What is, what is that role? In, um, oh, wasn't he Bird? Burger. 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 Bur- burger, yeah. 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 Um, burn it, burger, burn it. Yeah. All right, so that's yours. Young Norbert Leo Butts is my, like, top choice. I love that so so much Stephen Pasquale is my number one choice I mean I just don't know anyone else contemporary who was not Brian Darcy James it's it's hard I don't think that we have a like in the crop of like musical theater men right now I don't think we have a burst oh my god you know who I would actually be super jazzed to see do this part who Alex Brightman I don't think he has a darkness to him that it would be a lot you'd have to pull it out but I would be into that, and I yes. fight you a lot on that, but this no. is a role mm-hmm. I'm like, no, he can do this role. Absolutely. I, I'm mad at myself for not even thinking about him. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. No, he would be so good. Yeah. I love that. Anyone else? Yeah. Uh, so, woman. Ooh, yes. Yeah, so a female Wait. burst. I feel like I know who you're going to say, but say it. Wait, who do you think I'm going to say? Either Katrina Link or Carmen Cusack. No, I thought about both of them, but I, I, I think Katrina Link is too, is too subtle. And I think Carmen Cusack would be great, but I just don't see her. I don't know. I I don't see Carmen Cusack, but I did think of both of those people. Yeah. Lena, Lena Hall. Yeah. 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 I see that. Yeah. I think she would be fucking dope. I want to see who like replaced. Maybe they didn't have replacements. For the... Like off Broadway. Broadway, I don't think they did. They didn't have a very long run. I mean, yeah, because it was at it was at um not City Center but MTC. Yeah, underneath. and I mean, if you look at like box office, both versions of Wild Party flopped. So you know, I don't think they had a long enough run for nothing. Well, nothing does really well at MTC. To be fully honest, no. I would love. I mean, bring it back. It's a small house. I mean, bring it back. But like the original is just so perfect. I don't want to ruin it, you know? Yeah, I get that. That's why I'm like, you know, we don't need to bring back Rent either, but... Oh, hell no. No. They tried. It didn't work. 
so that's that's burrs for me. Okay. Let's do But Kate. also me. Yeah. But I also mean, me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do Kate. Okay. Go. Okay. So I have my first choice, which was like my gut instinct, but I think I came up with someone better. My first choice was Bonnie Milligan, obviously. Yes. Duh. I love Bonnie Bill- Bonnie Milligan for this role, but the, I didn't put Bonnie Milligan because you said it last week, so. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think Bonnie Milligan's incredible. My second choice, and this is the one that I'm, like, more excited about, is um, Jalen Josie, the girl who played Pearl in the SpongeBob musical. <gasps> Very into that. God, she's a, such a good singer. Such a good singer. I think she could handle – I think she could handle it also. That bitch is so fucking tall, and I want – I don't know why, but I'm really wanting my Kate to like fucking tower over. I also like, love that you're like very into like plus plus size Kate. Of course, Kate is a plus size role. I think. Kate, I, think I mean, Kate plus size. I think we should cast more of these characters as plus size people. Like plus size people yeah. do drugs. Like, come on, guys. Like, it's not just a skinny yeah. person thing. Um, I also I had a thought. I was like, it, I would be interested to see Danielle Brooks interpretation of Kate mm. but I I think I'm actually more interested in her Madeline I would love to see her as Madeline yes I agree but I I picked my Madeline and I think she's perfect so I think I I want to go three two one on that one because I think we have the same person we, we very well could but um so my Kate Bonnie Milligan or Jaylen Josie okay so my gut instinct was Kelsey Swigard. Kelsey is a, is a friend of mine that we did summer stock together, but you, I don't know. She's an up and comer for sure. Um, she is currently Maureen on the national tour of rent. She was also Pat in the national tour of kinky boots. Um, but she's gotten a lot of headway recently. Check her out. She's super duper talented. She would sing the pants off of it. But the only reason I almost didn't put her was because what Christina Bianco said in our episode about into the woods but about the witch specifically i know how she would do it like yeah not because she's not perfect for the part but she is very much like an idina type in the sense like she would scrout the rafters off and it would be so fucking good Mm -hmm. but it would be an idina menzel performance because they're very similar types Mm -hmm. so that's that was the only hesitation but she would be in the adult in that audition room for the professional company and she would probably get it and I would be so down to see it so I wanted to dig a little deeper Mm -hmm. just because I was like I want someone very different then I found Andrea Makasayet Makas I don't know how to say her last name M-A-C-A-S-A-E-T she plays Anne Boleyn in the Broadway six company yeah she is this teeny little like she is like you could put her in her in your pocket she plays Anne Boleyn she's Filipino she is hilarious and just so much like energy like obviously like you know that is she yeah so I am so into that yeah yeah I would love I would love that yeah I I I was like you have I love you but I also like she could be May but I just think that she could do, I, I think it would be fun to watch her be Kate. I think her so, talents are better shown in Kate. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I love that. I love that. Um, so now, Mr. Black. Um, I I have um, like two different versions of Mr. Black or Black. Um, 
my first, I think, is pretty, like, true to what we know about the show. I think Leslie Odom Jr. would do an incredible That's who I job. Put. I mean, he he feels like the obvious option. I mean, Tay Diggs, yeah. I really do think, is, like, untouchable. Ooh, um, Tay Diggs is so sexy in But that role. I think, vocally, Leslie Odom Jr. would be able to, like, handle the role, and he wouldn't... But- this is also the first time that we've I've been able to confidently put Leslie Odom Jr. on my list for a role like this because mm-hmm. this is where he can have that darkness to him and it not be like too dark because we have an even like we have a villain and he's not a villain, but he yeah. requires a like grittiness. Yeah, but he still has heart and that's what's important yes. about black is he has And Leslie to have Odom a heart. Jr. and Leslie Odom Jr. has heart. Yeah. Yes. And then I was like what if we cast Black as a woman? <gasps> so, like, okay. we, we have, like, a, a, you know, female Queenie, male Burrs, female Kate, female Black. And then I was like, I mean, dream of dreams. Who would I cast? It's honestly a tie between one that I feel super confident about and one that I think would be interesting. Cynthia Erivo. Yeah. I mean, duh. I period. think vocally, period. period, could do it. And then I was like, what if Heather Headley? It would be very. It would be a very different interpretation. It would be very different. But I think. Push I mean, the button. <laughs> I think she would be very interesting. But if I was going to cast a woman, Cynthia Arrivo. I mean, I I feel bad because I cast her in everything, but I really do think that she is one of the most. She's ta- fucking talented. She's one of the most talented people out there right now. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I agree. I was like, we, um, we we talk a lot about. I love you know, a female burst. But I was like, what about a female black? I actually love that. I love that. I think that's, yeah, I think that's fucking great. I'm super into Cynthia Erivo doing it. Mm-hmm. She would sing the shit out of, um, um I am, uh, I almost said I am I'll, here. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll I mean, be yes. here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I... That was very much like a, um, I can tell when it's already raining moment <laughs> for me. I think she would sing the shit out of I Am Here. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so... Okay. Do you have anyone so else? So beautiful. Um, no. Oh, great. I didn't think about it being a woman. I think that's a great, great, great casting. Love that. Um, Madeline True. Can we do a three, two, one? Because I'm, I'm really thinking from last yeah. episode that we're, we have the same person. Okay. Three, Three, two, one. one. Grace McLean. Oh. Grace McLean, yeah. Okay. I'm into that. Yeah, I... Very into it. I love her. I I thought Beth Lavelle was the obvious answer. And I thought Grace McLean was the obvious answer. But also, like, Madeline True is is a drowsy chaperone role. That's why, like, every time, every, like, you kept saying, like, there's just, like, no roles for women at this age who are sexy and are not mothers and, like, da 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 And I kept wanting to be, like, don't talk about drowsy because she'll know who you're going to cast as Madeline True. No, but you're right. I mean, the drowsy chaperone is a Madeline True character. Like, yeah. they're they're the same, but different. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think Beth LaBelle would be great. I... I was listening to um, Great Comet, um, and then, like, in my house, was, I was listening to that, and I was oh. like, yeah. And then... I put Eddie and May are the only two I have left. Me too, but May... Perfect. 
so for May, I was like, I don't fucking know who to pick. And like, I was like, what if, what if Celia Keenan Bulger? But I don't like that. Oh, cute. I mean, it would yeah. be very cute, but I, I don't think that that's her role. And so I chickened out and I just stole your answer from last week and I put Helene York. Okay, that's totally fine. I also put that and then erased it because I said, no, I can't do that again. Yeah. I put Amy Spanger, like a young Amy Spanger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She'd be cute. Yeah. Or like a young Megan Mullally. Holy shit. Yeah. Would be very yeah. cute. Yeah. Um, for Eddie. Eddie. I have choices for Eddie. Um, I have one, and it's the only one I'm interested in. I think I know exactly who it is. Um, you going to three, two, one, who I think <laughs> it is? All right. Three, two, one. Andy Carl. Andy Carl. <laughs> he is on my list. He made the cut. Um, but I, re- I, I really was like, what if we could get Andy Carl and Orfe as Eddie and May? I would love that. I would be very interested to see Orfe's interpretation of May. Um, Her being like the catcher. The catch! <laughs> I mean, like. It would she, be very fun. Um, she'd be a good Kate. She would be a good Kate. Like, slightly younger. Well, yeah, yeah, when she was younger. Yeah. Um, like trailer no. trailer park days. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I had Andy Carl because... Yeah. But <laughs> I was also like, who, who else do I think could do it? And like I, I said last week, I want my Eddie to look like a boxer. That is important to me. So I tried to um, look... Did Andy Carl play on Broadway and didn't get his Tony? <laughs> which is why... Rocky. Which is why he made the cut. Um, but... I was also like, the three other men I would be interested to see as Eddie are Christopher Jackson, because I think he could, actually, Christopher Jackson, I think he could really do, like, the teddy bear, but also, like, very strong. Yeah. I also think he'd be a great black, though, because he's got, he could sing the bejesus off that role. I completely agree. Um, Don't know why I didn't think about him. Ramin, I think would be a very cute Eddie. Oh yeah. yeah. And it's like, you don't have to do too much acting. Oh, yeah. You're just, like, a big lug. Um, and then yeah. it's very, I think, different than roles that he normally plays. But I would kind of love to see Zachary Levi do it. Oh No, I'm into that. Like, I, I'm very into that. When I think of, like, Eddie as a character, I think of this, like, really big, just, like, fucking muscle head. But like with May, he's like a soft little teddy bear, and May, May is yep. May is the one pulling the strings. She's the one in charge, and he's yep. just like, okay, whatever. Yeah, he's a he's a himbo. Eddie is a himbo. Himbo. <laughs> yep. And so I think, yeah, I was like Zachary Levi would be so cute. Yeah. So that's those are my <laughs> Eddies. I love that. Yeah, I love you. that. Thank you so much, y'all. I oh just, God. this is my, this is my favorite musical. Yeah. I think I said that in our first episode. This is my favorite musical. People always are like, I thought the producers is your favorite musical. I said, don't get it twisted. Producers like is all time favorite piece of anything. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. I would say it's my favorite movie. This is my favorite musical. So don't get it twisted. Y'all don't come for me in the comments. Don't get Rachel it twisted. Lind. Yeah. Rachel. <laughs> Stop coming for Slee in the comments. Yeah. We're really tired of it. We're really tired of it. We know you made all these fake accounts just to come for me. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but yeah. Oh, uh, it's, it's such a good show. If any theater is doing it, 
call us, please. You almost said just call me, didn't you? I saw your lips forming the mm, and I said, no, no, bitch. No, no, no. I want them to call. I'm available. (laughs) I'm available. I am. We are both available and we are free. Um, please. (laughs) Okay. Well, that was Wild Party. Thanks for listening. We clearly hate this show. And yeah, it's my least um, favorite show. And have nothing nice to say about it. And yeah, so if you really want us to have a bad time, cast us in it. Mm-hmm. We'll make this show a living hell for you. Yes. Um. Anyway, that's the show, Cut guys. It out. Cut it out. Your she go down on you, am a theater. So next next episode is going to be Aida. We have a very special guest joining us, so you don't want to miss it. Later, boners. Later. Later. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of This Podcast Won't Run a Week. Your support means the world to us. If you liked what you just heard, please follow, rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us to get this show out to other people who might like it. You can also follow us on at this pod won't run a week on Instagram and TikTok, and at this pod won't run on Twitter. See you next time. I'm fucking blue. These suck. Oh, They're great. slimy and disgusting. <laughs> Do you want anything from Popeyes instead? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm fucking blue. <laughs> These are fucking disgusting.